computer. This is data. I'm an android. I'm a... basketball? I was processing all of the information. Processing. One of those idiots who believe in analytics. Rangers pick basketball. Analytics was crap. Does not compute. Just because you got good stats doesn't mean you're a good team. <laughs> Hello, and welcome back to the Lakers Exceptionalism Podcast. My name is Tom Z, joined as always by Cranjus McBasketball, aka Tim. How's it going, Tim? We are still now just a couple weeks removed from the lack of Lakers basketball. Are you hanging in there, dissecting, you know, old Jay Triano plays, learning <sighs> offensive goaltending rules? I'm at the bar the other night telling people, you can't make a shot out of bounds, so you, it can't be basket interference. And, like, you know, for a layman, even that, they're like, oh. So it was pretty <laughs> funny to watch people kind of learn the rules as we go. But, yeah, did you appreciate that last play? And uh, is there anything you'd maybe do differently now that people – the cat's out of the bag? I think it's a pretty sick play. I assumed you – I mean, I didn't think about the basket interference piece of that, but I've always, like, assumed, hey, if there's not much time left – it's a good idea to get a in a in a screen, get a back screen for a big dude to you know have a lob option at least, especially when you have a guy like Booker or some sort of shooter that the defense probably won't want to help off of. Uh, so I, I thought it was a great play call. Happy to see that. It's been fun to watch basketball and like not have to rewatch it and not have to break it down and make videos and do podcasts. Um, and instead, just enjoy the game. And I, I think especially the Western Conference Finals have been a lot of fun for me because those are two teams with two coaches that do a pretty good job adjusting. I think Monty game plans out the gate better than Ty Lue. And we've seen Lou the past couple series have to like make big shifts mid-series. Um, but they've both been like, that's been a, just a really entertaining series. And the yeah. East is not quite at that point from a coaching standpoint, but there's a lot of fun stuff going on there as well. So it's been fun for me, but it's given me time to, uh, you know, work the phones or work the DMs, I guess, and, and explore yeah. some trade options that you just two minutes ago told me were all terrible. So I'm excited I to, I, I'm excited I, to I, dig I, into those. I'm going to continue to nag all of the <laughs> ideas coming through just like we did last yeah, week, but you don't need to play devil's advocate. <laughs> you can just play you. Yeah. <laughs> I think there, so some of them I like, like some of them I talked so I like literally reached out to like people from like 25 23 different teams and uh found some trades for some there were some players where they're like fuck you no you can't have him um <laughs> also you're but I was able fan, to like so they're probably like yeah really fuck you <laughs> yeah 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 so I did find a handful I think I have uh one two three four five so I have like nine or ten different trades that I got someone else, another real life person who covers that team to accept, and I will present them to you today. Maybe we take them, maybe we don't take them. We can kind of order which ones we think might be most useful for the Lakers, or maybe the person I talk to is, we think, unrealistic compared to what the, how the team might act. So we can dig into that, but it was more fun, and I'm more excited to do this podcast with having done that pre-work, because we can show up here and just throw random stuff at the wall but we don't know if anyone's going to accept it. These are ones where you actually get a feel for like, who does that team value? Oh, yeah. I thought this guy would be a throw in. No, they actually see him as part of the future. It's just or a lot more like context, really digging into the, right? Yeah, the, the cap, what they, you know, their perspective, what they think the team might do. So uh, we can go into these, at least leaving this with like, knowing that, you know, in a general sense, these might actually be real, realistic options. 
if some of them I will not, I wouldn't take. I don't think the Lakers would take, but it was good at least to know the price for some players. Cause if you don't do that work, we can again, throw random trades at the wall and it might not be re- realistic at all. Like the Lakers aren't going to get CJ McCollum. Um, I couldn't find a CJ McCollum trade. So we don't have any CJ McCollum trades today. Are you uh, saying we're not going to trade teams. for Ben Simmons? We're probably not going to trade for Ben Simmons, given what Sixers people are looking for, Damn. for Ben Simmons. So yeah. So there's there's a tier of guys. I really wanted the no shots in the fourth quarter. Yeah, it's it's fun talking to people, you know, at a bar and pick up games and then be like, yeah, Lakers need to trade for Bradley Beal. Lakers need to trade for Zach Levine. Like, yeah, absolutely. I don't think they can, though. <laughs> like, Kyle Kuzma isn't netting us Bradley Beal. Like, some of these guys, the Lakers have a couple trade ships. We talked about that on the last pod. It's like KCP, THT, Kyle Kuzma, Schroeder. Uh, if he's resigning like a sign and trade with him, uh, the 22 pick, you have Gasol potentially. Um, that's kind of what you're working with. You're, you right. don't have these great assets. You also don't have much salary filler. Right. So if you're trying to trade for a dude who's on a small deal, Kuzma's making money. THT's going to be making money once he signs his new deal. Shooter's going to be making money. Like these aren't, other than that 22 pick, you don't really have you know, extra money for players that you don't care about to throw around. Like if McKinney were making 10 mil, yeah. you know, there's some salary filler. But on the other end, if if another team, like if we're trading for guys making little money, we don't really have those assets that are also kind of cheap to to exchange the way that the Lakers used to have with guys like Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, whatever. Well, so yeah, yeah. I was just going to say last week we talked a little bit about like what the Lakers had, right? Not saying mm-hmm. we, we definitely want to get Kuz off the team, but yeah. I feel like we left out we don't want to, but the Lakers have Alex Caruso as well. And I think yes. Alex Caruso is a piece that could help you get a better player, you know, mm-hmm. in a package of Caruso on a sign and trade Kuzma, you know, yep. and, a, and I, he came up, he so, came up when talking to teams, yeah. Cavs people I talked sure. to, absolutely. they're interested in Caruso. Yeah. And as Not, well, they yeah. should. So really quick, before we get started on who you did agree with, I want to clarify on the nose you got. So you got nose on Jeremy Grant. I'm guessing this was pre-draft lottery. And this do was you pre-draft think lottery. that changes their Detroit's outlook at all? Because Cade Cunningham is a bit of a wing. He can play a couple positions. Mm-hmm. Not saying they can't fit next to Jeremy Grant by any means, but Jeremy Grant was always kind of on a I hate to say a different timeline but they're in a full rebuild and he's in that you know mid early prime of his career so is there any scenario where you know Kuz THT in the 22 maybe makes more sense for Detroit today than it did last week it could I I I do agree that it could and I'll have to follow back up and see if uh anybody okay and see if anyone would take that so I'll talk to my Detroit people but as of you know, before the draft lottery. And like you said, it changes things. Jeremy Grant was not someone I could get a deal done with. Uh, A couple other players that I couldn't find deals for were Gary Trent Jr. from the Toronto Raptors. Couldn't find a trade that they were willing to take. They didn't want any of the Lakers players. Didn't think they were a good fit. CJ McCollum, he's, he's valued too high. Ben Simmons, he's valued too high. And not, not like overvalued, but valued higher than the Lakers have assets to trade for. Bradley Beal, another guy that even though his deals up relatively soon, He's not someone that the Lakers have a, had a competitive package to go after compared to some other teams from from what those folks were telling me. So there are some that like I see floating around that I don't think are realistic. Uh, Zach Levine is another one that like 
<laughs> the contingency on a Zach Levine trade would be like Zach Levine says I'm never coming back and I only want to go to the Lakers uh, and I'm not re-signing with anybody. So barring something crazy like that, which could happen to any player on an expiring deal and likely won't happen for most players. We haven't really seen that happen other than a time or two. It's not realistic to go after some of those guys. So we'll just start off by throwing them out and then uh, kind of working towards some more realistic targets. And from a Lakers perspective, you're not like you don't have the package to go get a third star. You have a package to go find similar caliber players that fit better, that are more more coherent with the LeBron and AD lineups or the AD but without LeBron lineups or, or vice versa. So there are ways to address and improve the roster without necessarily needing to like go get some sort of superstar, some sort of all-star or former all-star or something like that. And uh, along with that, I, I think, you know, looking at guys that we can optimize is important. Looking at, you know, how are they used currently? How would the Lakers use them? What does that change? You're not just chasing points, rebounds, assists, blocks, steals, whatever. Those can change based on situation. So looking at the current player's environment, how those current players are used, and then getting a feel for how the Lakers might use them is another key piece of this, uh, along with everything else that's being considered. So we're looking for guys to help us win now. We're looking for guys that either we can optimize better or are currently in a role that like makes sense to slide over and you, you, I, I think shooting is something we talked about before. Ball handling could be helpful, but for me, I was really looking at shooting. Um, and then also, like, if you are going after a big man, go for somebody who has several skills, or if you can get a throw-in big man that can do a couple things well. Like th- those are kind of just the general, you know, backstory. Um, and and you know, after covering that, I, I think that's what I'd be looking for in a trade. Tom, what sort of skill sets I think would you be chasing after if you're Rob Palenka trying to improve this Lakers roster with the pieces that you would be sending out? Because if you lose KCP, you're losing some shooting, you're losing some of that good defense. Caruso, you'd be losing a lot of defense. Kuzma, you'd be losing some athleticism. What are you trying to bring in and how do you make that a net positive? There's a number of things. And we talked a little bit last week where more and more I keep thinking about like team speed and just having a couple if you lose Caruso right another guy Kuzma these are guys who can play fast and and they're in that prime of their athletic youth um so there's an element of some athleticism I would be really worried if we (coughs) got like a (coughs) 33 year old 34 year old something (coughs) coming up here you know just because of the every position yes Anthony Davis is an athletic beast but you can't rely on him cleaning everything up on the back end just to mm-hmm. be, you know, functional. So there is an element of defense I'm still looking for too, Tim, where they can't just be a turnstile. They also have to fit a certain role with those guys are replacing, right? So you listed yep. a couple guys yep. that have different skill sets. If you get rid of one of those, they all have skill sets that are important. Those need to still be replaced. And mm-hmm. you can't, you probably can't split that between two players because of just the minutes right so if you do if that guy doesn't have this skill you get another guy and you kind of mishmash that the two of them into one role that's a lot harder to do especially with the kind of talent pool you're thinking of probably for the minimum Mm -hmm. you know at that point because i feel like the taxpayer mle would be you know a a different kind of higher level hopefully player uh that's just kind of taking a discount but that's yeah. just kind of the Lakers brain of mine working, you know, because we do get stuff on the the discount sometimes the ring chasers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. And 
I'm thinking about Kuzma as well with with his ability to go after offensive rebounds. That's something that we praised and saw a lot of earlier on, middle of the season. Later on, it was, I think, less impactful because we got Andre Drummond. He was out there cleaning up those boards and and having those two guys crashing, you know, clog things up a little bit. But it it was more Drummond being the one pulling in those boards instead of Kuz. And if Drummond doesn't return, which we think may happen given LA's spending power compared to what he's looking to get from a contract standpoint, suddenly that skill set for Kuz does become more important. So if you replace him with a less athletic 34-year-old shooter... Uh, you you probably lose that element of your game. So it's, who might you we be think talking about, about? I think so, it's time to bring it up. So so what's the first trade? So the first trade that I got multiple people to agree to who cover the Utah Jazz is the Lakers obtaining Joe Ingles in exchange for Kyle Kuzma and the twenty two pick. From a Utah standpoint, this makes sense for them because they need some athleticism. Mm-hmm. They need some defensive versatility. Kuz can kind of guard two, two through four. Yeah, that so that adds value for them. He's someone that can help them on the boards. He can rotate over and block some shots every now and then. He is someone that can play some on-ball defense against a lot of players. And when we think about how Ingles is used for them, his actually his top scoring action this year was ball handling. The, the, I'm sorry, the pick and roll as a pick and roll ball handler. So mm-hmm. that's something that for an aging player is probably going to drop off a little bit quicker than his shooting talent, which is still very valuable, but within their system that runs so many ball screens, that, you know, is a diminishing, a little bit more of a diminishing skill set for them compared to bringing him in for the Lakers. He is like a legit top elite three-point shooter. High volume, high accuracy, catching and shooting, pulling up. And the Lakers won't necessarily need to ask him to be that pick-and-roll ball handler. So even as he's getting older, which I acknowledge, and I think he will diminish physically, I don't expect the kind of drop-off from his three-point shooting that I expect from his pick-and-roll ball handling. So it makes me feel better about like he's going to matter less for them than he will for us. Yeah. And, and that trade works out well. And like he's shooting, he shot 45% on threes, 41% on pull up threes, 48.9% on catch and shoot threes, uh, 44% on above the break threes, 47% on corner threes. Those are all elite, elite numbers. 99th percentile three point shot making, 96th percentile three point shot creation. This is someone that in a starting unit is someone you cannot help off of and will provide spacing for LeBron and AD. He's someone that can run off some motion, use some off-ball screens, and is someone that had an A-minus off-screen efficiency this year, uh, B-plus off-screen share. So when the Jazz were running those pin-downs and flare screens, he was commanding a high proportion of those. So he adds a couple elements of shooting offense and in a way that is somewhat scalable because of his ball handling ability, because of the off-screen stuff. So if you're in a bench unit, he can still get his shots up. He's not a KCP that if he's not being fed threes, he's not going to shoot threes. That I think that's a big difference in looking at the difference between like, you know, kind of like finishing shooters and guys that can create their threes. And Ingles is a guy that can create his threes. So that's, that's what I'd lead off with. I have some other, you know, things that yeah. I think would be really valuable with him. But like, what are your initial thoughts bringing in Ingles in for this trade? Like, you're not going to convince me Joe Ingles on the Lakers would be bad. Uh, I think Joe Ingles is a very good player. And the thing about him that makes me really excited in this kind of scenario is the way he can manipulate defenses in the kickout process. Right. Mm-hmm. So he's fantastic at that pump fake. Right. The pump fake to swing you know, keep the ball swinging and then you're yeah. left wide open. He does that so well, but he also can attack a closeout and hit, you know, and 
make a, a play a lot more consistently and like safely than like a KCP. Right. Mm-hmm. So there's like different layers to that. Like he will be able to manipulate the defense in yeah. a way on the weak side that will get him and his teammates great shots. Mm-hmm. Now, if it's Anthony Davis, Andre Drummond and LeBron James around him, it's tough because that shooting is still not quite good enough. You know what I mean? Like, yes, he fills a big hole there. Even if you slot him in for KCP, right? He can kind of like I think you were saying before. You told me he got he's got some chaser ability on defense. That's mm-hmm. you know intriguing to me. Um, and, and I think Kuzma is a valuable piece, but I think they can you know patch it with some of the defensive versatility. Again, that's that's a big thing Utah should want. They basically only have Royce O'Neal to guard like those guys and to have just another guy to, to be able to plug in is helpful for them. And they have enough shooting. They'll be pretty okay without angles. Right. So it makes sense for them, but they can be a very smart, not as athletic team and still beat a lot of teams. Definitely. But if you run into a team, a a young team, that's, that's got some bounce. It's just an added challenge for a group like this where, and I guess Tim ultimately, I feel like if it was Kuzma and a smaller second piece than the 22, I'd be more intrigued. Uh, I don't know. I just love those scouts having a, a, a 20s pick. You know what I mean? But mm-hmm. I, I get well, it. But this think is about the it. trade you threw up I like the most, I think. Okay. And, and with that 22 pick, let's assume the Lakers get a good player that can fill a role. They're probably going to draft a more experienced guy. They're looking for someone who can contribute to the team. To replace Kuzma or some the pick. kind of athleticism, right? Yeah, yeah. But if you're planning on bringing back Schroeder, planning on bringing back Caruso, THT, who, where in this team that often had like an 11-man rotation during the regular season, who yeah. do you cut out for? Like, it's I don't think the caliber of player that you get at that level of pick, and I do think the Lakers will overperform. They've, they've done a really good job drafting. And... I will say a lot of those draft picks kind of bloomed few 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 years later. I don't know if them going after a dude they think is going to contribute right now is the same game plan from a scouting standpoint as them being able to identify guys that can blossom into Upside. really good NBA players. Yeah. So it's a different approach from a scouting standpoint. So while I trust them, it's a different game. And if they are going for someone who can contribute now, which I think is what they would plan on doing, where does that person find time and is that time that that player can get worth not making a significant upgrade in my eyes from a shooting standpoint from a playmaking standpoint you're you're taking out a bench guy adding in a starter with Ingles and he's someone that can play with the starters and the bench I I guess to me it's just I'm not as worried about those uncertainties that you said and especially over the last few years more and more players are contributing the first year and it's not Mm -hmm. just this guy is fantastic out of this world talent no they're being used in the right ways coaches are being smarter with their rookies and not just benching them flat out of the gate they're saying i can use this guy who who are you benching instead like where i don't know where that player would get minutes if they're I, playing point we, guard, we, well, shooting we don't guards, know the buffer, roster, I don't know. right? So Joe Ingles is now our only our, our, is our our starting two. So you have KCP backing him up. So THT mm-hmm. is your backup point because Caruso is basically a two you know two guard yeah. on offense. So mm-hmm. it's like there's still skills that need to be fleshed out in this. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but but like Keith is going to be a minimum bench guy that comes back. So he's not a right. big rotation needs minutes guy. Is mm-hmm. Marc Gasol going to retire? So we don't know all of it totally yet. 
So there's still like pathways to 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 opportunity. I could I feel like mm-hmm. it's not, not as clear, but like, it can you can certainly yeah. get there. I agree with you. It's Back just to not as, yeah, yeah yeah sorry go ahead. I've got more. To, I, he's he's good at stuff. He's, I got a lot of I got a lot of fun data for you. His getting well, to rim rating B pretty good. He's not just a shooter. This isn't a standstill, catch and shoot, don't do anything else guy. He drives more than 83% of NBA players. Now, he passes out a lot on those drives, but his assist rate is also super high, 94th percentile. And that, to me, is showing me, like, this is a guy, like you said, he can catch, attack a closeout, and then create something for somebody else. He's not driving and then kicking out because there's just nothing available and he can't finish at the rim. He's driving extending an advantage and then finding the open guy. So that's encouraging to me. He's finishing at the rim on <laughs> shot quality. That's lower than 99% of players this year was pretty, pretty damn strong. Uh, a minus finishing at rim rating. So a minus total overall finishing talent grade. And then from a playmaking standpoint, I, I don't think people realize how good a playmaker he is. His, his volume, A minus efficiency, really A minus versatility, B plus quality, really A minus like crazy smart dude. Um, and yes, his athleticism is going down a little bit, but I see that fitting really well with him being a third, fourth option with a starting unit that is going to feed him the ball with an advantage. And either he takes that three because he'll drill that or he's got someone wildly closing it down. He can attack that and then find the open man. So he can I like see run him, an offense. Really? He can, like, run, as, he can as, run a bench unit. Yeah, he can run a bench unit. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really impressive to me. His individual rebounding, also very good. Uh, 93rd percentile offensive rebounding success rate plus minus. So when he gets chances to rebound, he's winning those battles. De- on defense, 98th percentile. So like he's, he's good for his position at doing those things. And when we talk about his defensive versatility, in our defensive positional versatility metric, he and Kuzma were tied this year. Which I I mean, I certainly watch more Kyle Kuzma than I watch Utah Jazz basketball and, and Tom's over there scoffing, but 95th percentile positional versatility and B minus matchup difficulty for Ingles compared to 50th percentile C matchup difficulty for Kuzma. OK, so, so he's right, asked on, to on. do. Hold on. So let's be let's break down the Jazz offense to get some context here. Who goes where the, the, the best player the defense. is? Uh, well, their defense, excuse me. Who goes where the best player is? Royce O'Neal. who the best player Royce is. Royce O'Neal. Okay. Royce O'Neal guards the, the best wing, he, right? Yeah, he'll go one through three. So he'll, is he versatile because player. he's versatile or is he versatile because Royce O'Neal is versatile and Joe Ingles just goes that like fills the other gap? I think that's a fair. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Joe Ingles' job this year was as a chaser. He defended, I mean, one through four for the, pretty well. Um, I, but not, part I think of that, but again, somewhere in the middle. I yeah. think Kuzma is more versatile, but I think Ingles is underrated in that respect. I think he's is underrated. My final point. He's a chaser defensively. He's played some wing stopper in the past. He's had other seasons with really high matchup difficulty as well and pretty high versatility. So while I think the point you're making is definitely contributing to this, it's a reason why he's guarding ones or guarding threes more right. often than he otherwise would. Cause, cause Royce is the one kind of pushing everybody else, yeah. shuffling them around. Yeah. Another piece of it is he he is still taking pretty hard matchups. So that is encouraging to me. From a defensive impact standpoint, he's had one season in his seven-season NBA career where he's had a negative defensive impact, and it was just barely negative. So my going into this, I was like, yeah, like he's not going to help a bunch on defense, but I truly I don't know if he's a negative or not. No, he's actually – he's been a good to average defender, and I think throwing him in that chaser role – yeah, it makes good sense. He can play some wing stopper. He's not going to be my wing stopper in the playoffs. Yeah, but 
I, I think he's a serviceable defender that's versatile enough that within the Lakers infrastructure, I'm certainly comfortable with with adding him in. And if that's the case, the upgrades you get from a playmaking and shooting off screen, all that stuff, standpoint finishing, I think is is well worth the upgrade. So it's again, you lose the potential with that 22 pick. I think we know who Kyle Kuzma is at this point. You go from a bench guy to a starting guy. This, if you make no other trades, no other moves, bring back the same sorts of players. You end up moving KCP to your bench to play with THT, which provides some spacing for THT uh, or, or Caruso or however they want to run that group. But I, I, I think I like this. And if the Lakers did want to go to a lineup of like similar to the year they won the title pre-bubble where they would have a nominal point guard they go kcp at point ingles at two lebron ad and like i don't know marcus hall or somebody uh or you can even throw in another wing and, and have ad yeah. play the five those are i think those could be really really interesting lineups um and, and so for, my last point on ingles that i like is that to me just and we'll talk about another guy here in a second where i'm less convinced this can work you have to separate individual defensive ability and ability to understand and execute team scheme. Mm-hmm. So Joe Ingles falls squarely in that second category to me, where despite some of his physical limitations as a defender, I'm confident his IQ and his ability to fall within the defensive scheme will make him a better defender because he's doing the things the team wants him to do. Right. Because it's not all about athleticism on defense. Of, of course, it helps and it helps <laughs> you solve, like cover your mistakes. Right. But yeah, you don't need that when you're like all on the same page. And I don't know if you were to do your last thing on Ingles, the next guy you have is the centerpiece of a trade. I want no part of on, on in the defensive scheme. Like, I don't know how you fit him in. So I don't know if that's a tease or you can, you know, <laughs> we'll, we'll take a quick break and come back, I guess, because uh, we're about halfway through. So let's yeah, do that. Join us after the break where we talk about someone we want no part of. That's me. <laughs> if you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis. Analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, and we're back. Let's reveal this next second one, right? So Kyle Kuzma and Taylor Horton Tucker for Buddy Healed. And I feel like you're just trolling me to, to throw in Damian Jones here. This, is that the necessary kids like Damian for, Jones. For, for Cap or is that just trolling everyone? No, this is – it is a – he's a – I mean he's a real yeah. basketball yeah, player. Yeah, the they took signed him, him though. He played like, great and they re-signed him. They, they, I, so I talked to somebody who – has some insight into the Kings locker room, talks to Kings players, has, has some good connections. They like Jones. They want to keep Jones. But this deal would be a deal where they would let go of him and healed because they like what THT can provide that for them would be a, a really nice upgrade, a good piece along with Kuzma. They like what they're getting there. They like what they're giving up, but they're willing to give it up for for the, the players you'd be giving up. I can already feel people listening to this and be like, ah, no, you can't trade THT for these guys. I can understand that standpoint. This is more a, we want to win in the next two years. And this would be a trade to help that it's going to hurt you long-term assuming you keep THT around long-term, which I think is the Lakers plan at this point in time. So this is certainly a, along with the Ingles trade, both of them are in a way like we need to go win now or soon. So I I kind of get it, but no, D- Damian Jones is a real basketball player, and we saw him perform well with the Lakers. We saw him perform well in Sacramento after he left the Lakers. I kind of keep in touch isn't the right way to phrase it, but I, I kept tabs on how he was performing there, and it, rightfully they they signed him to a multi year deal. He's he's a legitimate basketball player that, uh, given the Lakers injury situation, Drummond was just a better move at the time. I think if the Lakers were healthy we might see them try to keep Jones. They were think back to after those games, he was playing well mm. guys on the no. team in the locker room were saying, this guy earned a deal. He needs no. to be back. He'll be back next year. This Lakers is, this is, is Lakers players. Lakers, Lakers players are, are saying the, that they're chasing the big fish mm-hmm. and it actually kind of doesn't matter. That's kind of their downfall is yeah. it shoots for the stars on every play, you know, every small move instead of making the single. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I do think Jones is a, is a, a very hard hit single. <laughs> Really good exit velocity on Damian Jones as a single. But let's start with the guy that would be headlining the deal that you don't want any part of. No and I'm talking of about gold badge, dead eye shooter, Buddy Healed. I'm talking about 99th percentile three-point shot making, 99th percentile perimeter shooting, talent grade, 46% corner three-point shooter, 39% three-point shooter, taking F quality shots. This is a this is someone who is a, another good Good, not great. He's not as good as Ingles. Playmaker, um, B vol- B plus volume, A minus efficiency, B plus versatility, B plus quality. That's pretty good. Uh, that's going to help. Another guy that's run some ball screens. He's not as good at finishing at the rim. He's not as good at getting to the rim as Joe Ingles. He is a shooter on offense. And another off-screen guy, 70% of the Kings off-screen possessions this year were for Buddy Heal. That's higher than any player in the in the NBA this season. So he is, if, you, if you're going to run that kind of play, and we've seen what Luke Walton's offense can look like with that, he's the guy you're going to go to. So 
I also like him for similar reasons as Ingles. I think Ingles is better now. I think from a having them for a few years standpoint, Heald might end up being the, the better guy two, three, four years from now. But I agree that there are defensive issues with him, much more so than with Ingles, and uh, I'm anxiously waiting for you to rip this one apart. I don't know. I guess, like, this one I have a less kind of logical answer for because on paper the trade does make sense i will say though this would have to be after tht probably got signed because the Mm -hmm. money won't match but yep so i'm not that would need that would need to happen for damian jones to be eligible to be traded he can't be traded for another right like month so this would be a a move that would happen in like september because you'd have to sign tht and then wait like 60 days and then trade him because you, I don't think you can aggregate a sign and trade player. Right. Um, I, I, I don't know the exact rules, but I feel like that's how this the, the let's put that aside. I mean, you could just sign and trade him out, I would assume. Either either they would have to have it set up to, to start with and because you're trading him out, not in, it doesn't hard cap the Lakers or like you're saying after they sign him, they would have to wait and then trade right. him right. afterwards. So my hesitation on this is. I've just never really seen it from Buddy, and and, and all the oh, what you described is is accurate. He's a great shooter. He's never really done it for me, and and a lot of different ways, like him getting upset after the Bogdanovich thing in, in Sacramento. It's a lot of entitlement coming there to me for a guy who wasn't playing that great getting a big contract and upset you know little red flags here and there um i just how his iq manifests on the court he's prone to taking pretty bad shots from what i've seen so there's it it makes sense on paper having a guy off screen like that would be so awesome um, but it's, I don't think it's worth it for what he gives up on the defensive end. And if that means KCP is still in your closing lineup, if Buddy can't be in a closing lineup, this trade is not worth it. What I am, I think Buddy's good enough as an off ball defender that he can certainly stay on the court. When he get hunted, though, when you get hunted, and we've seen the Lakers hunt, we've seen the Lakers hunt yeah. the past two years, and teams start stunting off the wings. They they pre rotate a little bit in the paint. Like there are things to do to help prop up a weaker on ball defender, which makes me feel better than if like like THT. I don't know how to help THT defensively nearly in in the same ways as I, I feel X's and O's wise. You can help Buddy Heal because if THT's just falling asleep and missing rotations or late on rotations old, that's but no, no but yeah right. but, I mean, there's but some the more answer com- is yeah. you got to get better the answer is get better sure with sure. buddy healed the answer isn't he needs to get better it can be he can he can be the same talent level and you can do things around him to help improve him we've seen lebron james like ad i setting as tyler hero against goran dragic against uh i'm trying to like plenty of over the rounds last year and this year Chris Paul, Devin Booker, like guys that you can go after. Devin Booker a little bit less so now. But guys you can go after. And defenses just send extra help. And if you're not organized about countering that, which a lot of teams are not, it can it can help. So I think it's less of an easy fit. With Ingles, you just throw them in there, and I feel okay. With Heald, you throw them in there, and you have to be prepared. And is, if it were an offensive issue, 
Is he going to know how to, to to adjust when he to weak on the side pick and rolls? Is he going to know like, OK, first time we're blitzing and you know what I mean? This is a complex defensive scheme. Like it's not I, it's, rocket science. Yeah, but yeah. if you haven't played like this and to me, there's at least a reasonable argument that based on THT's age, he will get better with experience. That's not true of Buddy. Buddy kind of is who he is, right? And yes, you can get better at those reads, but I just, I guess I just never, I don't see, is he going to be making those pre-rotations that KCP, that Caruso make? I don't think he's going to be a Caruso KCP quality defender. I think he can be a good enough defender that he can stay on the court in crunch time. Fair enough. Uh, That's that. I think that's the ceiling for him. That's the baseline that I, I need to get to to even okay. consider this trade, right? Is, yeah, because yeah, if he's best in crunch time, in crunch yeah. time against a good team. Question for you: Is uh, THT going to be in your crunch time lineups? It's Kyle not, Kuzma. Not when Kyle he's Kuzma twenty. In your crunch time lineups. Not when he's twenty, but maybe what about when he's next 22? year? Is he twenty next year? Twenty one, twenty two. All right. Okay. Because that's okay, the but Tim, I, I get what you're say, going for. But, you, but, that's where you're setting the bar. But if the, what you're trading up isn't at that bar. But okay, is there a world where THT is a better basketball player than Buddy Heald in the National Basketball Association? Yeah, yeah. Is so that's that's why he's valuable. Is he a better fit though? That's almost it's, it's irrelevant shooting. as far no. as no. I'm just saying in this context of trading him away, right? Mm-hmm. So the reason you can trade him away for Buddy Heald is because he's 21 and has a potential. Yeah. So, I was you, struggling you don't have to find else on the roster like that. Mm-hmm. And while we value him that way, I'll tell you from from speaking to some of the folks of the other teams, THT wasn't really like they're not looking at THT the way they're looking at a lot of rising young stars. We see that potential because we see it every day. Mm-hmm. I don't Which know teams? if opposing fans certainly don't. If you're, oh, you're Cleveland, gonna, you're gonna I would be more teams? interested in THT than if I'm, you know, Washington or something. THT, uh, Cleveland was more interested in like Kyle Kuzma. The white guy. And yeah, they were interested in the white guy and they were interested. Like they gave me a crazy trade package for Larry Nance Jr. I couldn't get them to give me a trade package for Colin Sexton. Like I, the, the the package they were demanding for Nance was what I would have thought they would have demanded for what Sexton. Was it for Nance? Oh God, it was like, ah, oh, geez. It was, I think it was like, Kuzma, KCP, and Caruso, or something like that, for Larry <laughs> okay. Nance. Okay. So that's a no. But like I talked to, I talked to people from uh, Jazz, Wizards, Pacers, Timberwolves, Kings, Magic, Trailblazers, Raptors, Pistons, Sixers, Thunder, Knicks, Cavs, and Hawks. And nobody was like, "Oh man, gotta go get THT. Here's a great asset." So what he is worth in the marketplace, from a fan perspective, it might be lower than the team with the data and the scouts and stuff like that. So I think yeah. there may be a differential there, but I think he's more valuable. To, I think my point is he's more valuable to us than he is on the trade market right now. Okay. Because until he is in those crunch lineups, crunch time lineups, until he is starting, there's going to be like a lag, lagging effect. The, the marketplace might be a little bit behind on him. I don't I guess, think you're going to find like a trendy right. GM that's like, oh, man, I got to go get this guy before he breaks out. I guess what I'm trying to say, too, is like y- y- there are different kinds of trade pieces, right? There's the mm-hmm. the K- Kuzma who could be has been a bench player on a championship team, but that's valuable to championship contenders. 
right? Mm -hmm. And then there's the THT who Cleveland, Orlando, you know, some of these rebuilding teams. Sacramento. They are more. Yeah, Sacramento. He should be more valuable to them than those other teams. Right. Less so like a Utah or Philly or one of those. Right. So to me, THT makes more sense in going to a Sacramento than a Mm -hmm. KCP. And it's kind of nice to keep that veteran who has yeah. a role, you know what I mean? And to yeah. to, cut, to have buddy insurance. So maybe I'm talking myself into it a little bit more. Yeah, I think a key thing for me would be if I'm bringing in a shooter that I question their defense, I need to keep KCP. Yeah. I can trade THT. I can't yeah. trade KCP. Right. So, so and and I maybe we throw some polls out afterwards and, and people rip apart the trades too. But mm-hmm. uh, I... I Think I would I would do both of these. I think either of these helps the Lakers win more the next two years, two three years. Yeah. Anything I, else we want to cover? Oh, I let's think cover I think it's an argument. You want to run through a couple of these a little quick, so yeah. Um, well, so there's also Damian Jones. So think about that as well. No. Nice cheap guy. No. I, we no. don't have to dig it. We, the listeners know about Damian Jones, yes. but he's a rolling cut big that can defend the rim, play some mobile screen coverages. Would be helpful to have I, in a playoff I see. Setting. I still like if Mark's on the roster. And if Drummond comes back, there's still like a a very low chance at think, playing time for Damian yeah, Jones. I don't think Drummond's gonna. Here's what I would think: if I were he's running he's the Lakers and doing this trade, I'd say I'd say Gasol is my floor spacer. Tim Drummond, I, or I'm I sorry, I will bet you one hundred dollars right now the Lakers give Andre Drummond the mini tax pair ML, and he accepts it. Yeah, I will take that bet. Done. Uh. You're going to be sad and broke. Yeah, I will be. I will be. <laughs> um, uh, so if I but but if I'm making this trade, if I'm the Lakers, I've got Jones to be that JaVale McGee kind of guy that's offensively. He's going to catch lobs. He's going to roll. He's going to get putbacks, stuff like that. Defensively, he can play more mo- mobile screen coverages than a Drummond, than a Gasol. And that's something we were just like annoyed with in the playoffs that the Suns attacked is those those big men that are not as mobile. So He's a he's a good piece, Tom. I promise he's good at basketball. Look, I, he's Tim. He's not. A, he's not a. Needle but he's not like your like star, He's not your he's starter. Not, he's yeah. He's I not just a think he's mover. a okay. He's a good throw. I get it. He's I'm just like you're talking about an eleventh guy, dude, and a center at that. It's the most fucking replaceable thing in the world. Mm-hmm. Like if okay. I if you need it to match salary, fine. But like it's not a selling point to make the trade better to me. I'm going to make a note of this, and then a couple weeks from now when we go over free agent center options for the men, I'm going to ask you which of them do the things Damian Jones can do. He's a, okay. he's a throw-in, but he'd be a useful useful throw-in. Okay. All right, let's move on real quick to get let's through move some on of to these t- other ones. So this can I run one, through some of the ones I wouldn't do? Yeah, well, yeah, I wouldn't do any of these. These are garbage. <laughs> so, okay, uh, here were a couple where I was gauging price. So for all these, I was gauging price and yeah. then negotiating a little bit. Uh, Kemba Walker, <laughs> the price I got for Kemba Walker was Kuzma, KCP, the 22 pick, and Alfonso McKinney. No, who I'm okay with. No, up. yeah, why I wouldn't do take you that. have to I'm give the 22 pick? Why? I, they, that's what they wanted. I don't know. I it's don't a bad deal. Ca- yeah, I wouldn't no, do it. No. Yeah, so the thing with Kemba it. is basically the price should be whatever it costs to match salary. Pretty much. Honestly, frankly. Yeah, he's not the player used to be and he's had some injury issues and i i'm not among all of these like i'm just like that's not worth it no uh another one so i talked about i I looked into beal i couldn't get a beal deal done um i have two deals for you here that are for shooters that are going to be pricier than we'd want to pay one of them is tht 
and Kyle Kuzma for Davis Bertans, who again, elite shooter, negative on defense. The fit might be a little bit tough. He's an elite shooter, so it's like it's at, it's it's there's more than a zero percent chance it could happen. But if he he's wasn't paid on a more five than the Lakers. Are, yeah, I, but the thing exactly. is, it doesn't matter for the like for the Lakers. It doesn't really matter. They're over the cap anyway. Well, it's the length. That's true. Yeah, four more he, years. He signed a great. Like yeah, he signed a, an awesome deal for him last year. Yeah, he's on like a five eighty. I think it was. Yeah, like good yeah. for him. Like good luck. Good for him. Yeah, but he's a nice yeah. player. It's yeah, like he's a player I really like. Sure, he, but he also that would disappeared be in the playoffs where, too. Mm-hmm. He was he was playing through some some injury, but I, he did he did. Joe Ingles hasn't been fantastic in the past couple of playoffs either. He's been okay. But he hasn't been the same player he was I in mean, the regular yeah. season. So, I'm not saying they lost because hey, Davis KCP Bertans. wasn't. Yeah. It, it, it list yeah. any enter any Laker player's name here. It wasn't as good in the playoffs this year as we were hoping they'd be. So oh, all right, so that one that's Bertans, another one where no. if you do make that trade, you keep you still keep KCP. So it's another go get a shooter that's a little bit negative on defense. Keep KCP, trade out Kuz and THG. So I like it less, but it was yeah. worth writing down for me. Um, yeah. I think about it. I think about. It. I don't think I'd do it, but I think about it. I, yeah. I don't think I'd do it because some of these other deals I like way more. Uh, another one I don't think I'd do is THT in the 22 pick for Anthony Simons, mm-hmm. who is another elite shooter. He's kind of under the radar. He's been a really, really good shooter for the past few years. He defensively, is he is small, not good. Though. Yeah. He's small and he's not good defensively. His defensive role has changed like every year he's been in the league. Mm-hmm. They can't seem to find a good spot to, to hide him. I actually kind of uh, like and him. But I like him too. Just- yeah. Also, isn't this his third year? I feel like they're gonna have to extend him soon. So like he's he is be up eligible for, for rookie extension yeah. like now. I think. Yeah. Um, it's just a thought. He's not consider. extended. If he's not extended, he's super cheap next year, and then he's a restricted free agent after that. Yeah. So you could keep him around again. Really good shooter, negative on defense, and you keep KCP. So similar style deal. He is a smaller guy. Bertans is a bigger guy. Uh, Heald is like a two three three two. So those are some of three? your. Three shooting. Three point shooting? Yeah. Elite. Very, very good. Okay. Yeah, really good. And it's been really good for so the past be an few years. Upgrade I mean, there at least. You're paying a pick oh, absolutely. for THT for upgraded for, shooting. Yeah, here's how I went about this. I pulled up our perimeter shooting line like leaderboard and I just went down the list and I was like, this guy, no, no, no. Okay, we might be able to trade for him, might be able to trade for him. And then I went and talked to people from those teams. Uh so yeah, it's that one, the Bretons and the Heald are similarly structured where you're you're keeping yeah. kcp you're trading for shooting i just like the healed one the most and then uh yeah okay so those are the three i don't think i do there were two that i asked about and actually surprisingly got yeses to and i th- think the team might want more but i don't know if these would happen anymore and that's kuzma and the 22 pick for malcolm brogdon or miles turner i was told same price for either one I would take them both. I would. I like both of those trades. It would keep me from doing some of the other ones we said we liked earlier. And the thing here is, I think it might be pricier than this. And I think that the Pacers would be less inclined to do this now that they've hired Rick Carlisle. I don't think you yeah. hire Rick Carlisle to blow it up. So I don't. I don't think these. It's just like uh, the Jeremy Grant thing. The situation may have changed in the past week or so. Yeah. But uh, if you can go get Brogdon, that's a great. Great piece. Another guy that's a strong shooter, pick and roll ball handler. Turner is great as well. Elite finisher, great role man, elite, elite rim protector. Like he was on the D- defensive player of the year. He was in that race for a good good bit this year. So I don't know. Brogdon can play on ball, off ball. If you can take these, I'd take these. Either of those trades are like a 500 foot home run. 
mm-hmm. either so of you, them. Yeah. Would you take Kuzin 22 for Miles Turner over literally any other trade I've listed so far that would be for a shooter? Yes. Okay. And I think we talked a little bit about this last week when we were kind of starting this process. And I really like Malcolm Brogdon. I still feel like if I had the choice, pairing Miles Turner with Anthony Davis is like a 10 year, like nasty front court. Mm hmm. You know, like maybe 10 years is generous with Miles Turner's life, you know, uh, like half life in the NBA. But Turner can shoot threes. He's probably not as good of it as some of the other. He wasn't good this year. He was good last year. I think he can get there. He can he can make a corner three. But the rim protection and the ability to actually have foot quick foot speed and like a pick and roll, you know what I mean, is very (laughs) enticing to me. And again, I guess. I lean more toward the I see the defensive potential of that team as just being a continued, just nasty pain in the ass for every other team in the league. But Brogdon is also yeah. very, very good at basketball, and I like watching him. Mm-hmm. So I, and I yeah. think a, a, an approach shift for me going into this this offseason is I'm chasing more offensive guys that are just have good standalone offensive value. I don't need to trust that the Lakers were going to run them in the perfect plays or things like that. I know the Lakers are going to optimize defenders. So there are more negative defensive players or average defensive players on the list I've provided today than I would have provided a year ago because of what we've seen Frank Vogel and his staff do negative defenders compared to offensive players that like there's more in them, but we're not seeing that tapped quite into miles Turner. So I thought he was a floor spacer as well. I know he takes the threes. His three-point shot making the past two years has been a D and an F. Was it good in 2018, 2019? Because I thought he was a floor spacer as well. Or at least he's used that way. doesn't seem like it's been the best situation the last two years. Uh, so. he, oh, he had an A-. minus. He had a, all away. He shot really, really well in 2018, 2019. Mm-hmm. But not the past two years. So that's another I mean, one that's he's like, playing next do to you trust bonus, it? Right? A lot of the but, time. But how does that impact? Yeah, but I mean, Tom, we adjust for the difficulty. I don't. He was a D plus the year before that, so he had one of the past four seasons. He was a good three point shooter. I'm saying that situation has been a nightmare, and it doesn't seem like a lot of players are happy there, which is why they're even considering trading some of their better players because mm-hmm. it's just not working. Yeah. It seems like it's run its course, and I agree that it's, it's less different likely now. To happen well, they just now. changed the yeah. coach, though. Yeah, yeah no, yeah. I agree. But at the like same the t- time, TJ Warren sat out last year. Because well, he was he hurt. No. Play for, for, no, no, no. Well, he, he, he opted for surgery. Yeah, he opted right. for a season-ending surgery instead of trying to take other routes that would allow him to play sooner because yeah. he just didn't want to deal with it. But Rick Carlisle's a no-nonsense guy. So if mm-hmm. one of these dudes comes in and they're not focused, I I don't doubt that one of these guys could be on the trading block, you know, at trade deadline again. Yeah. I don't trust Turner's shooting, but I like a lot of what else he provides. Yeah. I guess that's where I am with him. But overall, I'd still do that deal as well. I mean, yeah, now both of them. I, there are two more deals that I'd consider. That I there are a couple things to think about. That uh, so I guess the first one again for a shooter would be KCP and two future second round picks is what I negotiated for Terrence Ross. You get shooting. You're big, big downgrade defensively. And you're not left with KCP as a guy to fall back on in that way. What do you think about that deal? Um, when you pull up Terrence Ross's missed games in the last five years, you would reject that deal. Okay. 
So let's give it a big space here. I'll edit it out. And then Tim will come up with the answer right now. He played 46 games this year, 69 the year before, 81 the year before that. He played 20 games in 2017, 2018. He played 54 games. Okay. Eh. So like 60% of the games, 70% of the games? What have his injuries been? Is it random unluckiness or is it like this dude has a bad knee that's always out okay okay because some guys especially second half of the year okay because there will be dudes that just have on they're just unlucky with injuries and not in a way that's like sustainable if that's the word you want to use but then there are other guys that just have like chronic issues that like okay but that, right. I, don't, I don't know if Terrence Ross is, like, meaningfully better than KCP right now. On mm-hmm. offense, he certainly he, is. On offense, I, th- I think the gap overall, on offense isn't larger than the gap on defense in a way that allows KCP to overall be better. Here's the one I situation agree, I where I can – Okay. I'd say, yeah, so I think KCP is better overall. Is it two seconds worth more than – I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I don't know if I care the, about seconds, but still, we got good second round picks the last few years, you know, when so we have them. Here's, here's the one thing I'd look at. The price for this deal allows you to do it in addition to basically every other deal we've covered. So if you go got get, it. if you can go get Turner, if you go get Miles Turner and you don't get one of the shooters that are in any of these other deals, this does get you a shooter. And mm-hmm. if you're adding Miles Turner, him and AD defensively is maybe that can make up for some of the defense. But that would be, I think, the one time I'd look at this. Otherwise, I don't think I need to make both this trade and one of the other trades to go get two shooters and downgrade the defense that much. Mm-hmm. So I'd be aware of this, but I don't. I'm not sure I'd do it. And we're, I guess you'd have to see how the market for Ross looks. Maybe you get it, get him for just KCP. Maybe you get him for just some of the seconds. I don't. I, I I don't think his value is super high for a lot of the reasons we've covered today. Yeah. And then the last trade was uh so Malik Beasley, who's currently in jail for 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 just the twenty two pick. Maybe we should trade him for KCP. <laughs> KCP? Convict for convict. <laughs> I'm sorry, it's a few years ago, but I'm not gonna yeah, forget. Yeah. Uh, um so from what I understand, Malik Beasley pulled a gun on someone who drove into his driveway and the police were called and then the police discovered uh, firearms and drugs in his house. And that is why he is in prison currently. Well, is that that's this recent one. The time before he had domestic violence charges. So, oh, I forgot about that. All right. Malik Beasley. Never mind. Yeah. All right. Never but, mind. OK, so so I that's mostly it on trades. I, I it's hard. You know, we're speculating. We we don't know all the players that are even available in some of these trade talks. Right. So yeah. it's hard to know. But this is a good kind of idea for Lakers fans around who's possible and what's realistic. Again, we reached out to other bloggers and, and people who cover the teams because they have context on their side of team that, you know, they would want and why they'd want certain mm-hmm. of our players. But Tim, before you go, there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. <laughs> and the domestic violence part reminded me that <laughs> while we were recording this right now, Jason Kidd was officially hired as the Dallas Mavericks head coach. And uh, Nico Harrison was uh, hired as their general manager. So, uh, you know, any thoughts on uh, Jason Kidd's tenure as a Lakers assistant coach? It's hard to say anything because Frank Vogel doesn't tell us who does what. Yeah. So from what I could tell, the players liked him from the background information we have. He doesn't seem like a great person. 
and when we think about, ah, oh, the Lakers shouldn't do that because this guy had this charge against him. Well, the Lakers did have Jason Kidd on their staff. Yeah. So I don't know where right. the Lakers' moral compass is. Right. But he is someone that, because I don't really know what he was doing, but I am familiar with his background and what he was responsible for on previous teams. I see this as an opportunity for the Lakers to make an upgrade, specifically to go hire an offensive coordinator, basically. Go hire a coach that has an offensive skill set that wasn't just on a team that ran good offense. You could pick a random assistant coach from a random good offensive team, and they might be able to tell you the playbook, but they might not be able to call the plays or teach the plays or build in the concepts or build in the counters to the concepts. Like if you're a janitor outside a a professor giving the same speech every day, you can probably recite some of the speech, but if you're asked any questions about it, it's going to fall apart quickly. You need somebody who understands what they're doing and can win that tactical battle. Mm -hmm. And that's not really Jason Kidd's background. Right. So – him out the door. I would bring someone in the door. I don't care what they think about defense. They're not in charge of defense. Right. So I know you have a name. I know you have a name. Yeah. So this will, we'll need to have another podcast because I have probably another hour of, <laughs> of content on them and their offense. The guy I'd go after is David Adelman. And David Adelman is the current offensive coordinator for the Denver Nuggets. He was on Frank Vogel's staff. In Orlando for a year, um, his so here his here's his background. Just we'll, we'll leave it there. We won't dig too deep. But his background is he coached and so his dad obviously Rick Adelman, really good, one of the best NBA coaches ever. Probably I think he's like seventh or sixth in wins all time. Yeah, he was creator that of the coach the, of that that two thousands run. Yep, he was the guy who created the corner offense, which to this day is used. Um, but so his son. Uh, played and then coached in high school, won three titles in Portland and the city. Uh, he was a Timberwolves player development coach for a few years under his dad. And then the last year under his dad, he became the offensive coordinator. Once his dad left, he and, and his dad left because his mom was sick. So his dad retired. But uh, after his father left, he was retained. He was good enough that they kept him on staff and allowed him to continue running the offense under two different new coaches. That's how good he was. Um so he coached for uh, Flip Saunders before he passed away and then Sam Mitchell. And then he went from there to Orlando to be an assistant under Frank Vogel. And uh, I so I was able to listen to a podcast uh, where David was talking and like he had the nicest things to say about Vogel. He mentioned that like Vogel let him have a huge voice in the locker room, helped him or let him like run the offense and let him like go interview for his next role when he was still under contract. He didn't need to let him go. So it seemed like that relationship was, I mean, again, from a couple minutes in a, in a podcast, but it seemed like that relationship was strong. And then in Orlando, they were tanking. They didn't have a great roster. There was a lot of front office flux. There were some injuries. Uh, they didn't even run the corner offense. So that stood out to me. It was like, this isn't his offense. This is some other stuff. Um but then after that, and that familiar, familiarity with Vogel, I think, certainly matters for his shot at getting the Lakers job. He then went to Denver. He became the offensive coordinator from 2017 until now. And uh, so from hearing him talk and, and, you know, reading more about him, like he's really into the teaching, the concepts, introducing offense. He was truly like developing the game plans for everyone they were playing against. It wasn't how a lot of teams run it where a different assistant coach will put together a scouting report. Like basically like once a week you put together a scouting report and then you present it and then you go do whatever. This was the guy who was the mastermind behind the offense. And I think that matters. 
And if we're looking at the offensive optimization data that we have at B-Ball Index that looks at like how talented is the roster compared to how much impact did they get out of the players, his average percentile, if you ignore the tanking seasons, was 73rd percentile, which is pretty, pretty darn good and would be a big upgrade from the average to below average we've seen from uh, Frank Vogel and his staff to this point. So I, I think there's certainly a background there. I have, again, I have a bunch more notes, but it makes sense because he runs a post off. He runs an offense that's centered around a star low to high post player, which the Lakers have in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Um, they leverage the playmaking of that player a good bit, which those two guys can do. Drummond can do. If Drummond comes back, he would be a good fit for this offense. Um, it uses a lot of spacing and motion and cutting and screening and would be a good fit for the lack of ball handling the Lakers have. And it's, like there are really good concepts and principles, but it's not like a super rigorous sort of structure in a way that I think would fit well with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. So a lot of the red flags you would have about X's and O's not worried about here. A lot of the things that the Lakers have been bad at, the, the cutting, the screening, the, you know, creating space. This is a, a good offense for and has he's been a good coach for. And if we look at like the Lakers struggling to counter post help, this is the, the best team in the league at that. Um, Nikola Jokic is able to be Nikola Jokic because you can't sign a double team against him or he's going to burn you with his passing. And it's, it's not because he's a great passer and he's a great passer, but it's because there's a, a structure around that. There's, there's a plan around that. And the Lakers didn't have that this year. This would directly address one of their largest holes offensively and would help them, especially with LeBron aging, build an offense around the Lakers players as is. I think it's just, I think it's a great fit. I know we, we need to wrap up, but I think it's a fantastic fit home run. It would be a home run higher. He has that familiarity and I, I just, I don't see any issues with it. I couldn't find any red flags and I, I really want to see him go after this. So let's go I like shout it. out from the mountaintops. Yeah. David Adelman's the guy we want. I like it. No, that's a that's a low key one. Obviously, all these coaches' sons, you know, definitely are, are kind of born and bred with basketball in their DNA. And you do see some of these guys, um, you know, it doesn't always work out with your Ryan Saunders, you know. But he's not a head coach. He has a defined role. And I like that. Mm -hmm. There's a very specific reason for it. So um, let's, well, let's talk more about that. There's other candidates out there I think could be interesting. Uh, I mean, just consider this, Tim. You know, we had Vogel, uh, who we hired as our head coach. But the other two candidates were Monty Williams and Ty Lue, who are fighting each other right now in the Western Conference Finals. So the Lakers, at least as far as, you know, post the Jim Buss era, Genie has had a really good you know, after magic, obviously job at kind of knowing what they need and what they uh, are looking for in a practical sense. So mm -hmm. um, we'll talk a lot more about that in details. Uh, here are some trades for you guys that, uh, you know, you can tweet at us, try and get a poll up. But, uh, you know, send us a picture of a five star review and we will get you an invite into the discord. And next time we will, it'll. I think it'll be a, a clinic on what the corner offense is and how exactly it matches the Lakers personnel and how I would foresee, like what are its principles, what are the alignments, and then what sorts of jobs would we see like KCP or Alex Cruz or whoever be asked to do? Because I think it's really interesting and it's a super modern style that'd be a great fit. Unless, he, unless the Lakers hire someone else, in which case... 
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.